Welcome back to another episode of the Stack Econ Bits. Today we are going to discuss March's data on the PMIs while also discussing some current events while also introducing capacity utilization. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you. James, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Um, I'm ready to get into this. Uh, Juan, do you want to start by um, telling us about the service PMI data for March? Yes, Maxi, of course. So the services PMI registered 58.3% in March, up 1.8 percentage points from February's reading of 56.5%. Also, 17 industries reported growth. Uh, Juan, can you tell us how the sector has been performing in the last 12 months? The 12-month average is 62.3, indicating that the services sector has been growing steadily. After two months of a contraction and 122 months of growth before that, the services sector increased for the 22nd consecutive month in March. Um, so what does the past relationship between the service PMI and the overall economy indicate, Juan? According to the chair of the Institute for Supply Management, Anthony Neves, the relationship between the services PMI and the overall economy for the month of March, which is 58.3%, contributes to a 3% rise in the real gross domestic product on an annualized basis. Is there anything else we should know about the activity in March, Juan? Although company activity increased in March, respondents said that there has still been hampered by capacity restrictions, logistical issues, and inflation. As COVID-19 cases have decreased, public health restrictions have been lifted, labor shortages have improved slightly. Uh, Juan, thanks for the insights. So let's shift gears and talk about the manufacturing PMI data. Sounds good to me. James, please go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Juan. I appreciate it. The manufacturing PMI registered at 57.1% in March. So how does that compare to February? It was one and a half percentage points lower than February's data, which came in at 58.6%. The thing to remember is that anything over 50 for the PMI signals strong sector expansion and growth while anything below 50 signals contraction. James, what about all the five sub-indexes that contribute to manufacturing PMI? Yes, they were all in the growth territory. Which sub-indexes are those, James? Uh, you have the new orders, uh, production, employment, supply deliveries, and inventories. Um, so were there any changes from last month with those five sub-indexes? As I said before, they were all in the growth territory, as anything over 50 is growth, and it does not mean that they grew percentage-wise. Uh, the new order index declined 7.5%, the production index decreased 4%, the employment index increased 3.4%, the supply deliveries index decreased 0.7%, and the inventories index increased 1.9%. So let's shift topic a little and talk about some current events. Does that sound good to you guys? Yes, sure. So let's talk about what the Fed minutes revealed this week about their plans going forward. Sure, sounds good, Juan. So on Tuesday of last week, the Fed governor of New York stated that it could start shrinking their balance sheet in May. Maxi, what does it mean if the Fed starts to shrink in the balance sheet? So this has to deal with their policy tool of open market operations, um, which is the buying and selling of securities. Shrinking its balance sheet means that the Fed begins to sell its securities. This would take money out of the economy and is known as a decrease in its balance sheet. So how's the current situation, Maxi? So due to the pandemic, the Fed doubled its balance sheet to around $8 trillion until December last year. Now it's around 
nine trillion dollars. Um, the purpose of tapering and eventually decreasing the balance sheet is to fight inflation, which, as we all know, maintained well above the targeted average of two percent. Talking about fighting high inflation, what is the Fed's plan right now? So in their minutes, they discussed uh, a few different scenarios. The last time they sold securities was in 2017 to 2019, and they sold around $50 billion dollars per month. So what about now, not three years ago? So back then, inflation was much lower. Um, so now they'll have to sell more this time around. Um, this time around, they're going to go up to $95 billion per month with a three-month buildup starting in May. This should come out to around $1 trillion a year. So that $9 trillion total in assets will start to decrease. So James, how long do you think this they will be doing this for? It seems like they will be going to 2024 with this plan. Juan, well, how does the Fed's current balance sheet compare to GDP? So right now, the Fed's asset holding are equal to 37% of GDP. This will begin to decrease from here as they will be selling off their assets until 2024. So what would be the projected percentage compared to GDP by the end of 2024? 23%, which is still higher than pre-pandemic. So while fighting inflation is important, we must also understand what's causing it now. Yeah, I agree, Maxi. Juan, could you tell us why? As we all know, the war in Ukraine is driving up prices worldwide in terms of oil and wheat especially. Uh, I read in the uh, the Wall Street Journal that the International Energy Agency, which is made up of 31 countries, is going to be releasing 120 million barrels of oil within Uh, with 30 million coming from the U.S., and this is going to be released over the next six months. But will this lower oil prices? Uh, it should for a little. Uh, analysts are skeptical whether reserve releases will lower prices for long. Uh, placing stored oil on the market can sometimes boost prices later on when nations buy crude to replenish their stocks. The thing to remember is that Russia is one of the biggest exporters of oil worldwide, so not getting their oil is leading to higher prices. Another thing uh, to watch out for is rising food prices. Ukraine is a big exporter of wheat. The war has cut the world's wheat projection for 2022 from 790 million tons to 784 million because of the possibility that at least 20% of Ukraine's winter crop will not be harvested because of direct destruction. I, I agree, Maxi. Food prices are one of the most important things as we definitely need to eat. And I know I enjoy eating. Enough on the current events. Um, we have to talk about capacity utilization, right? Yes, Maxi. Could you tell us what capacity utilization is? So it is the percentage of resources used by corporations and factories to produce goods in manufacturing, mining and electricity and gas utilities for all facilities uh, located in the United States, excluding those in U.S. territories. Um, we can also think of capacity utilization as how much capacity is being used from the total available capacity to produce demanded finished product. Is there anything else that you could tell us about capacity utilization? So the capacity utilization rate can also uh, implicitly describe how efficiently the factors of production um, inputs in the production process are being used. Um, it sheds light on how much more firms can produce without additional costs. Additionally, um, this rate gives manufacturers some idea as to how much consumer demand they will be able to meet in the future. If you're unfamiliar with the factors of production, they are the resources that are the building blocks of the economy. 
they are what people use to produce goods and services. Economists divide the factors into four categories, land, labor, capital, and entrepreneurship. So uh, when you say capital, do you mean money? Uh, good question. In economics, this is a common misconception. Economists consider capital as machinery and tools used to produce goods and services. Maxi, could you tell us how the capacity utilization rate changed from the beginning of the pandemic? Uh, sure, Juan. Um, the capacity utilization fell to its lowest level in its history at the beginning of the pandemic. Now it's pretty um, close to pre-pandemic numbers. Anything you want to add, Maxi? Um, another thing to add is the dips when there's a recession, as it is the relationship between the output produced with the given resources and the potential output. Does anybody have anything they'd like to add or comment on before we conclude our podcast? No, thank no, you. Thank you. Well, that's going to conclude this episode of the Stack Econ Bits. This may be our last episode of GDP for the semester, so you might not get any updates for a while. Feel free to go to the ISM website and check out the manufacturing and service PMI data, which is released at the beginning of every month. Also keep an eye out over the next few months for the quarter one data on GDP. So I hope you all have a nice summer, and thanks for listening to the GDP episodes of the Stack Econ Bits. Take care.